The following is a recording from our live video talk on March 23rd, 2020 with special guest Karen Allen, author of Twitch for Musicians. If you want to join in on one of the video chats, look in the show notes for all the links you need to know or go to musicindustrycity.com. In this episode, we discuss best practices on how to get discovered, build and engage your fan base and make money through live streaming. This episode is jam-packed with info, so let's get to it. Thank you all for being here. Uh, today we're going to talk about live streaming for musicians. Uh, I just want to just touch base with Sam. Sam is always the co-host with me for these Ask a Manager sessions. So Sam, uh, you're out in LA. Give us a little update. Uh, fill us in what's going on, what you're seeing. And I know you're over at uh, Studio 71. Yeah. Uh, like, how, what, what are you seeing right now besides that there's no traffic uh, <laughs> industry-wise? Yeah, um, I I think everyone's a little bit confused as to what to do, and you know, giving due acknowledgement to those uh, friends and colleagues who are in the live business. Obviously, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty about what happens next. The longer this goes, the more difficult it becomes to assess the future. People start to take uh, new perspectives as to what their life is. And I think it's a lot of the same sort of uh, reaction as um, the housing crisis and the uh, recession of 2008, 2009, 2010. People who are considering going back to school for, uh, you know, postgraduate degrees, people who are uh, doing all kinds of stuff to uh, uh, find a, a new path forward and, and change around maybe what their expertise is. But that said, um, what we all know so far is that digital media is doing, uh, you know, banging numbers right now just because everybody's got nothing else to do. Mm -hmm. um, I'm in the fortunate position of, you know, working at Studios of Anyone where a lot of our business is YouTube-based or other social video platforms. And uh, I was taking a look at our some of our metrics uh, earlier today and found that, you know, watch time is up, view counts are up, um, CPMs are steady. Um, so the ad business on, on YouTube is, is, uh, pretty robust and, uh, people are definitely engaging. Right. And, and, but what they are engaging is also changing due to our new lifestyle. So you might've seen, I'm sure you've seen like the, the, uh, and Rolling Stone actually just put, put it out today, but I was speaking with another source about that streaming music streaming. So let me clarify music streaming was down last week yet mm -hmm. netflix streaming was up yeah i i actually had a, a little bit of a conversation about this um with my content operations team at studio 71 today the music is this kind of passive format in a lot of ways even when you're actively listening as we say you're focusing on doing nothing while you listen right um, and that's somehow an active pursuit. Uh, meanwhile, when you're watching a video, if you don't pay attention, you're going to miss what's happening. Maybe you're just listening to it from the kitchen, but you're not having the same experience as somebody who's sitting on the couch. Meanwhile, if you put on a record, you can be anywhere in the room and it's relatively the same uh, kind of engagement. So when people are not driving to work, not on the subway, not sitting in their office, um, you know, while they're working or while they're doing some other kind of activity, they're kind of just spending a lot more seated time, a lot more, 
unoccupied time that they've now got to fill, or they want some kind of company while they're sitting, uh, you know, at home, working from home, they want to have some other kind of voices going on so it doesn't feel so isolated. They might put on more news, more podcasts, more TV shows and movies than they might have in the past. So streaming, video streaming certainly is up. And I think Studio 71 benefits from that being a video first company. And I do the music stuff, but the music that I tend to deal with is mostly in the case of video performances of that music. Um, Music streaming being down, I can totally see that being uh, a, a result of, of the conditions mm-hmm. and we'll see whether that changes whether people kind of like get over this first sort of week and a half two weeks of of feeling isolated and wanting the videos and then kind of going finding a new routine that involves music again but time will tell right yeah i, I think it's also a comfort level of you know that anxiety of we're isolate we're going into this isolation mode so just the comfort of fellow people whether and you know it kind of leads into what we're talking about here is why streaming is so important in connecting engaging is that you know that comfort level well, it could be two things i mean people could be like oh i have some free time at home now from this work at home i'm just going to sit on the couch and basically like what you know binge watch on netflix until and with my laptop until some work comes in so that could be one right two is that you know it's the other of like okay just you're seeing people and it feels more comforting. And the one thing about podcasting is, and on my podcast I can speak, is that my numbers dropped. And when you're looking at 52% of the podcast listeners either are in their car, commuting, at, at the gym, exercising. So it's this correction I think we're going through. And once we come out this normalization of our new settings is we're going to see, you know, the change and come back up, but we don't know right. what kind of peak we're looking at. Yeah. So, so I think, I think this is a perfect time then. I mean, uh, and I, I know you, uh, when I said, Sam, let's have a conversation on live streaming. You're like, let's get Karen Allen in here. I was like, <laughs> yes. I was like, absolutely. We need to get Karen. So everybody, I want to introduce everybody to Karen Allen, uh, amazing person in the music business, so much experience, but she's an author of Twitch for Musicians. And Karen, just tell us a little bit of background, what, you, what you've been doing. Yeah, so this has been, I've sort of fallen down the rabbit hole of live streaming in the past few years. Um, what I normally do with my life, uh, I'm a consultant. I do strategy and biz dev for digital entertainment companies. It's usually startups, help them find clients, help them find partnerships. Um, a lot of music industry-based uh, companies, either they have solutions for the industry or solutions for for the end user, the fan. Um, and before that, just worked with a few different trade associations in different parts of the industry. One was very mobile focused, one was very um, record label focused. So just have a really, you know, kind of broad strokes view of everything that's been happening with digital and, and content over the past, you know, 20 or so years. Um, and stumbled across you now a few mm-hmm. years ago and yeah. was just completely knocked out by it. Uh, obviously I'd seen live streaming before in all its various forms and we had seen paywalls for live streams. I was involved in one of the very first live streams ever, you know, back in the nineties, um, when this was, you know, you did a T1 line, I had clients that did live streaming. It was was nothing new for me. What was new was that people were paying for it. That was what was the earth shattering thing. Uh, and even more so that what they were paying for was content that looked a lot like the content you would see on YouTube. 
which nobody pays for. Mm -hmm. So I had to kind of figure out what that was all about. Um, coming from a premium content industry, I was like, whoa, what, what, what nut have they cracked that mm -hmm. we don't know yet? <laughs> you know? So um, I decided I would start streaming. And I went on you now, which is mostly teenagers, and I'm not a teenager, and it's video, and I can't really fake that. So I did um, an advice show called Ask an Adult, and it was sort of like, ask me whatever you want to ask me. And you laugh, but it worked, right? It worked. So, and it made I it very clear. I wish I had that at the time. It was, yeah, it was great. It was like, look, I'm not a, I'm not a counselor, so, you know, use it at your own risk. Um, but I'm also not your mom. And I'm not your friends. Uh, and uh, you can even, I, I had a Snapchat set up. People could Snapchat me questions if they wanted to go full anonymous. Um, that had varying results, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. um, but it was really fun. And, and what I learned about live streaming through doing it on you now, I found to be truths across the entire scope of live streaming, no matter where you do it. Um, and what I learned on there is that people are only sort of there for the content. The content is what draws them there. What they're really there for is the community. And if you can monetize that community, if you can gamify community, if you can have low engagement ways to get involved and to pay and high engagement ways to get involved and to pay, people will sort of find their way through that life cycle. Um, and it really comes down to just creating a connection with them. And this is why live streams last so long. Mm -hmm. You don't create a connection with people in 30 minutes. You create a connection with them over an hour and a half, which seems insane. I mean, Sammy must be thinking our videos are like five minutes tops. Like that's, that's nonsense. Uh, it's just a whole different way of creating content. Um, I call it the slow food movement of the internet. Remember how there was this whole slow food movement, you know, a while back, everybody was yep. like, you know, making all day soups and stuff and slowing everything down <laughs> because everything had gotten too fast in their life. That's sort of how I translate this for people who are just trying to figure out live streaming. Um, it's a way to kind of deep dive with people. And the way that you were saying earlier that, you know, music is still a lean back experience. Even if you're sitting there doing nothing, it's still kind of a lean back experience. This is 100% lean in. It is 100% lean in. And because you are leaning in hard and you are, you are hanging out with the artist, not just listening to songs, but hanging out with them, having conversations, being acknowledged, acknowledged. they're acknowledging you, you're acknowledging them, um, you're making friends in the chat. It becomes this, its own little entity that can really sit alongside everything else the artist is doing. Um, so that's, that's what I learned on you now. And then I went to Twitch and saw the same thing happening with the gamers and the same thing happening with uh, musicians on Twitch, which told me that this was not some like one-off teenage anomaly. Like you could write Snapchat off as being, you know, and Vine as being, oh, it's a teenager thing. It's never going to play wide. It's not true with live streaming because what we're talking about is we're talking about basic social mechanics of human interaction. We're talking about fulfilling basic social needs as humans for connection with each other, which right now is more important than ever uh, because we can't get it in our daily lives. Like I've been on like a couple, you know, Facebook messenger happy hours where we all got drunk and played with face masks. It was really fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, we never would have done that otherwise. So right. it's, I think it's, um, it's a unique moment in time for live streaming to be mature enough to um, 
be easily accessible and easily done from your laptop in your home with basic equipment and for people to jump on and see a lot of content and for all of us to have just like a boatload of time and need for human interaction. Yeah. So there's, we're in this little, we're in this pivotal moment. We'll see how long it lasts, but um, well, yeah. well, that that's the thing. It's the indefinite. We aren't sure how this is going to last, how long, yeah. you know, that, but on top of that, we're also looking at, uh, you know, what's going to happen when we do get back to the normal life, how the hybrid model is. I just want to go back. There's one thing you were talking about doing this from the nineties. Yeah. I remember I had, a, I think it was a Mac two CI and this is like 96 maybe. Mm -hmm. And I was on a, it was, it was called see you see me and it was a reflector site. I know see you see me. Yeah. And you could have like eight videos and they were like postage stamps. They were like a hundred by a hundred. Yeah. And all at like 12 to 15 frames per second. And yeah. we were doing that in, in the 90s. And then you had real networks. Uh, I was on BeLive, Periscope, uh, mm -hmm. Meerkat for the week. That was hot. Yep. Um, it was so, one week. It was one week. Yeah. yeah it was the South by South week. <laughs> yeah. uh, South by Southwest, what, 2013 mm -hmm. or 14. So, you know, one of the things that you said, and, I, and I, this leads right into a real big news uh that came out is you're talking about like tying in music and the engagement with the video. And I'm going to share my screen here because we have, you know, the talk about you know, SoundCloud partnering up with Twitch. So you mm -hmm. can connect with your fans and get paid. So yes. I, everything you just said is in that headline. Right. So can you fill us in a little about, you know, breaking this down, what exactly this is about and yeah. what's the real opportunity there? So, yeah, so this is, this is a really phenomenally big deal. This basically means that you can leapfrog the requirements that Twitch usually puts on every other creator to qualify into their on-platform monetization. You, you can monetize off-platform, and I'm happy to cover that in a minute, uh, but for now, just know that Twitch has on-platform monetization in the same way that you have to qualify into the YouTube monetization or Facebook monetization or any program monetization, you have to qualify your way into Twitch. And the way you qualify in on Twitch is you have to hit certain metrics with your streams. And um, they can be really difficult depending on which category. If you're, if you're like broadcasting in a really popular category, they, it can take months to get to, to the level where you're going to be what's called affiliate status. There's affiliate and partner. Um, the um, the way it works is very similar. Partner, you get more marketing support. You can make plenty of money on affiliate. Don't worry about making partner. Um, but affiliate status, basically you qualify into, and that means you have to have a minimum number of followers on your channel, which is 50. You need to have an average concurrent viewership of three viewers across, you know, all the ones that they're watching. And you have to have a certain number of streams completed and a certain number of hours stream within a 30-day period. And if you don't hit those four things within a 30-day period, it restarts the next 30-day period. So the good thing is you don't lose followers. So if you hit 50 followers, you're good. Um, but if you hit your, your goal on your concurrence and didn't on number of views, then you kind of start all over again. So it can really take a while to, to do it. Um, I've seen artists get affiliate anywhere between two weeks and two months um, because it's, it is a less populated category. And if you just commit to it and put the time in and really work on um, promoting yourself within the channel, 
um, then, then you can hit it. But this basically says that if you have a paid SoundCloud account, if you're a pro, if you're premier, uh, if you have a paid SoundCloud account, then you can link that to your Twitch. They have a little form you fill out and say, this is my SoundCloud, this is my Twitch. And they look at it and they match it and you have affiliate status right away. So you could make, uh, make money through Twitch with their on-platform monetization the very first time you stream. And I've, I've honestly never really seen anybody do that for any creator unless they're very established. Like if I took a big artist into Twitch and said, hey, I've got this, you know, A-list or a very major B-list artist and they, they're going to commit to doing this number of shows, can you partner them or at least affiliate them? They probably would do it because you're, you're kind of like hand-walking them in. But it's not something they just do. So it's a really, it's a really big, it's a really big deal to see this. So Sam, what is, what is your experience that like as, as you're looking at this and you know, talking to your artists, how do you look at this opportunity? Oh, there we go. Yeah. I don't know. Um, you, you just randomly became muted. I, I think I muted myself, but you have the lock on the unmuting. Um, the, I, I would be really interested to see what this relationship actually plays out like for Twitch. Um, personally, just from the management perspective, I'm not typically an advocate of artists paying a platform to host their content. Uh, so I've never been so much of a fan of the SoundCloud Pro and Premiere uh, products. And that's just a personal opinion. Um, but if artists are paying SoundCloud for an account and that status um, then carries over to Twitch, my question then becomes, is Twitch getting some kind of kickback on that? Is there some kind of benefit to Twitch other than just enabling access for any artist who, uh, you know, has a, a paid SoundCloud account or are they simply just looking at this as a way to kind of quickly onboard? Uh, I think it's about quickly onboarding. I don't think they would need a kickback because they make money with the artist on the platform. So that's their money. So the way it works is there's two, there's two ways to make money on Twitch. You can do it with subscriptions and you can do it with um, the virtual currency, which is called bits. So the subscriptions are preset amounts at $4.99, $9.99, and $24.99 a month. And if, you, um, if people subscribe to your channel, you can do things like subscriber-only streams and subscriber-only access to videos and subscriber-only chats. If you don't have a lot of you know, subscribers, it's not really worth doing any of that. But people really subscribe so they can use the emotes. And emotes is what Twitch calls emoji. And if you have... Um, if you have your own channel, if you're an affiliate, you can actually design your own emotes. And it's really fun because Twitch doesn't have the same universe of emotes that we use on our phone. They have a whole different set of emotes and they're very gamery and they're very inside jokey, twitchy kind of emotes. So um, like we don't have the happy smiling face that you'd want to use. We don't have, you know, a lot of things that you'd want. So because with live streaming, you are you have two ways to communicate. Basically, well, you, you watch the video and then you communicate via chat. What you're able to do in that chat becomes very important. So if you have fun things to use in the chat, people will buy the privilege of using those. So the so you can get those emotes at the $5 level, the $49 $5 level. 
um, and it's a monthly subscription that you can have renew or just pay every every month on demand either way. And there are people who have good enough emotes that people will just honestly subscribe just to use the emotes because they made such great emotes. So that's one way. And Twitch gets half that money, by the way. Their rev share on subs is half. The other way you make money is through the virtual currency. So they're called bits. You buy bits and you spend bits on the streamer. So you can just give them bits or you can spend the bits on something that's called a cheer moat, which is an animated emote. And it animates in the chat and it also animates on the screen. It's got your name on it. You can put a message on it and everything. It's kind of cool. And um, you can choose how much you want to pay for those those cheer motes and the more you pay the more animated and amazing they become um, I think you can only design cheer motes when you're a partner but they've got plenty that people would want to use the um, the split on the the effective split on the cheer motes is about a 70% revenue share so bits are sold um, $1.44 and you make one penny per bit so if someone gives you 100 bits you made one dollar regardless of how much they spent on 100 bits, you get one penny per bit. Um, and, and, and that's after the rev share. When I say effective revenue share, I mean if someone spent a dollar 40, 100 bits and you got 100 bits, you got a dollar, that's effective, but it's, it's one penny to you. Um, so that's, that's the on-platform monetization. So it kind of behooves, as, as Twitch is trying to grow this music category, it kind of behooves them to flood it a little bit Especially if they can gate that flooding with artists who you could argue are taking themselves seriously enough or pro enough to actually pay for an account somewhere with somebody, you know, sure. that says you're at it's a certain sort, sort level. Of a, if you can yeah, justify sort of the expense. Yeah, you can justify the expense. It means you're, you're not just screwing around as a hobby on the side. You're actually like putting records together and doing the thing. You're doing the thing, right? right? And they want people... They want people who are pre-approved for affiliate who are doing the thing. And they're not so flooded right now with artists on Twitch that it's going to totally, you know, blow out. And their worst case scenario is they've got a bunch of empty affiliate accounts. That's their worst case scenario. People do this for a couple of months, decide they don't like it and walk and they have a dead account. Big deal. It costs them nothing. The upside is that they make they make money on whatever those artists can monetize. And also what they really need in this category is new fans. So it can be a little bit of the snake eating its tail a little in the music category because it tends to be like the same fans and the same artists. And Twitch has um, only recently tried to grow the music category um, visibility outside of Twitch. So that they're really doing things to kind of to grow it overall with within Twitch and outside of Twitch as well. With I think um, that's one of the go ahead, go Peter. Ahead. Go on, yeah. Sam. I, I was I was just gonna say that th this seems like one of those. It, it's a it's a classic conundrum for uh, music artists who do something that is slightly less mainstream. They get significantly less audience for it. Mm -hmm. um, and if you look at you know artists who let's say they're very popular on radio and like, let's go top of the charts, right? Just because a hundred million people know about an artist and their new single and they've heard it and they may even consider themselves a fan, you're not going to get a hundred million people on that artist's uh, YouTube account, even watching an asynchronous video, let alone a live stream. 
Um, so I, I, I like that sort of analogy of the uh, snake eating its tail and that like it's just kind of constantly chasing and feeding on itself, the same audience, the same thing. It's, it's kind of a super fan, um, you know, kind of like a super fan engagement as opposed to a platform for uh, new discovery and having that be your, uh, your introduction to a new artist because you don't yeah. feel like you're part of the club yet. I would like to see some artists who treat it like a, uh, an avenue for new fan uh, introduction or have platforms that, you know, if they're going to cater to this kind of a, a vertical, um, which is, you know, difficult for a lot of rights reasons that makes it costly to engage and complex to operate, um, that they find ways to promote new talent and cause existing uh, users of the platform to uh, engage with things that are new and interesting rather than just going looking for the things they already know they want to see. Sam, uh, I, ha I well, have... Well, the good thing about Twitch, honestly, is that people people are looking for new music. That's the thing. People are People go to Twitch to look for cool people doing cool things. Again, it's not a pure play content platform. It's content wrapped in community. So if you're just looking for songs you like by artists you know, you're going to go to Spotify or YouTube because that's where you find that. You're not going to find songs you like or artists you know on, <laughs> you know, by artists you know on, on Twitch. It's a lot of super indie artists, bedroom artists, um, maybe have a couple records out, maybe have a little bit going on YouTube, maybe have a little bit going on Spotify, but are mostly native live streamers who are doing covers and originals, but they're, they're fun to hang out with and they're really good. And you're there because it's real. And it's just sort of cool to hang out with like a real musician doing songs that you've requested and hanging out with other people who like the same thing. It's just, it's sort of the opposite of the big glossy, you know, perfect Ariana Grande um, expectation. It's the complete right. opposite of that. And, and by, by having these interactions, you end up actually creating real fans, um, which I keep saying, this is why we're here. We're not here to get Spotify streams. We're not here to get YouTube plays. We're here to get fans, fans build careers. And well, I think, we can, you know, I was going to say, there's, I, I, one of the things that concerns me about the, the, the kind of platform, uh, and I, well, about live streaming as a medium, not, you know, forget Twitch or, or specifically any one platform, but um, there are just some artists who are resorting to it, I think, because they have time on their hands now and they're not really putting much thought into it. And it actually, in some ways, turns people off from engaging with them in that medium in the future. Mm -hmm. And I, I think uh, a lot of people heard some criticism about um, Chris Martin and his like Coldplay songs that he did the other day on Instagram Live. And, what was the criticism? Uh, well, I, I just heard some friends who said like it was poorly, like he didn't really give it much thought. It wasn't like he like set it up to be a performance. He didn't... Uh, didn't seem comfortable in the environment. And then I heard some people who said they loved it. They, they love Coldplay. They love Chris Martin. They love anything he touches, and that's great. Uh, I think for the casual fan, they're going to see something that maybe doesn't like jive with their expectations of what live streaming is versus something they might have seen in another place, whether it's for gaming or lifestyle or any other vertical, and think, well, this guy doesn't get it, so I'm just not going to click on his live stream ever again. Um, so th I think that that's the one thing that there's sort of this chasm to cross when it comes to artists that I work with. Um, when they think, well, maybe I should do live streaming too. And I said, if you're going to do it, 
you have to think it through. Like you really have to think about how you're presenting that because you can't just like do it as if it's like a FaceTime and then pretend like you are having a conversation with one person, but really it's all people and, uh, you know, give people motion sickness. Like you have to kind of actually give it a little bit of consideration and think of it as a sort of performance, um, a sort of presentation um, in order for it to, you know, jive with the expectations of having that, you know, audience looking in, um, in my, and, and again, this is the experience that I've had with some music artists who just kind of don't take it that approach and it just kind of feels boring or hackneyed or, 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 uh, you know, unnecessary. You want the entertainment to feel necessary. I think Peter's got a point about yeah, that. Yeah. And I, and I think I, I, I agree with what you're saying there. And Karen, I'm going to, I'm going to throw this, toss this question over to you is in based on, you know, when we look at social media, we use Facebook differently than we use Instagram. We use, tw- and then that we use Twitter and then there's Snapchat and then there's Instagram stories. And then you go into YouTube and we, you have to do it differently for each platform. It's like Sam was saying, it's like, this doesn't work when you're just having a, it's a mess in this platform, but this platform might be better. Karen, what have you seen maybe just in your experience what has worked like maybe kind of i guess what platforms do you see are having the best success and what type of content is it that is getting the best results which live stream platforms yeah um well my my advice to artists um because everyone's sort of just trying live streaming right now and they they may or may not be doing us when everything hopefully, returns back to normal, um, but everyone's game to try it right now. So I tell them, um, if you are looking to build a home for yourself with live streaming, then I would really recommend bringing your fans over to Twitch because they're just set up for a better fan experience. They're better set up for monetization. They're better set up for interaction between you and the fans. It's just there's a whole community there. So there's community dynamics. It's just set up for it a lot better than anywhere else. If you're a teen band, you might want to consider you now because it's, it works a lot the same way as Twitch, but it's a very teen platform. Um, Twitch is uh, over half 18 to 35 and 80% male. So that's another thing to factor in. So a little teen band probably wouldn't play so well um, on Twitch. But if you're just looking to just to play with it and see what happens, I tell artists, go where you have audience. Go where people are going to show up, where you're going to have a good time. If that's Facebook, do it on Facebook. If it's YouTube, do it on YouTube. Don't worry so much about making money at, this, at the start. Just go somewhere where you have audience and you have fun. Um, Instagram Live is really popular right now with people. It's my least favorite because it's technically sounds the worst. You really just, everything's coming in through your mic on your phone. Um, if you're really fancy, you could get um, a, a fancy mic with a lightning port for your, for your iPad or whatever, but it's only going to be so good. Um, as opposed to when you're on YouTube and Facebook and Twitch, you can actually plug your mixing board into your computer with the USB audio interface. And it sounds amazing. Um, and you have all kinds of controls over volume and all this stuff. And you can, you have better, you know, camera angles and lighting. It's just a much better experience. But if you're just trying it and screwing around and keeping your fans entertained and keeping yourself visible and busy and while you're sitting in your apartment by yourself, um, go, go where you have people. Um, YouTube 
actually has very similar um, monetization dynamics as Twitch. They're, they've copied them in lots of ways, in, in lots of good ways, but they don't have a real good community and discovery platform. Um, a lot of the ways that artists help each other on Twitch doesn't exist on YouTube, and their live directory is terrible compared to Twitch's. So it's really hard to find streams. It's almost impossible to find streams on Instagram Live unless you're already following the person and they happen to be live when you're live. Mm -hmm. um, there's no schedule. I mean, you can go to IGTV and there's nothing live there. Um, on Twitter, Twitter always says, you know, click here to see what's live. I go click here to see what's live. Nothing's live. And I know I people have are on Periscope. Yeah, every so often, you know, I open up Twitter and it says, oh, see what's live. And I'm like, okay, I'm game. And there's nothing live. And they, right. they own Periscope. People are live right now on Periscope. They they're not missed. doing much, but they're there. But there's just no directory. Well, so, the problem was that integration. They dropped the ball. That, that was just a missed opportunity when they bought Periscope. They just did not integrate that properly. No, they didn't. I was on Periscope at that time. Mm -hmm. And even try, and we were, there was a lot of us doing a lot of great work on there. And once that integration went through, it fell apart. Yeah, they and just wanted it to be their, their go live button. That's what they bought it for. Exactly. And, and that's sort of what it fell apart as. But yeah, I, I, if, again, if you're screwing around, go where you have audience, go mm -hmm. have fun. You're going to use the same tools, except for Instagram live, where you just go live straight from your phone. But for everything else, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Mixer, Caffeine, um, on and on, you're going to use um, a software like OBS, which is a free open uh, source software that's going to be your your production tool. It's it's um, It can be tricky to figure out, but it's really easy once you get the hang of it. I have a whole section of it on my book. Um, I think it's really, really fun program because you can do so many customization things with it. It's so great. Um, but you're going to use that for whatever you use anyway. But if you really want to like take it seriously and try to grow something over time, and make money at it and get introduced to new people and even turn your fans into super fans, which an, an, uh, another artist I've been sort of advising and managers tells me all the time, it's like our, our casual fans that we saw every so often on Instagram, they're in here every show and they're rocking out every show and having a great time and we're, we're feeling it in other places. So it just depends on your strategy. It depends on what you want to do. I think that's just to kind of cap what, Karen had said about if this is what you want to build a community around and if this is how you want to pursue it, really kind of go, go in for it. I, I personally, I am a little concerned about the sort of the dallying that we're going to see over the next several weeks and then potentially the drop off. And I look, I think the live streaming is a really serious force that is grossly underutilized in the music industry um, and as in, as in many, uh, you know, content verticals will say, it's not, you know, the kind of thing that needs to be exclusively about gaming the way that it might've been for the last little while. But, um, I just think it's, it, you know, we're fortunate to have experts like Karen who can share these insights and, sh and, and contribute both at the sort of like the, here's how you get started level and here's how you really make it advanced kind of level. Because I think over, you know, the, the next hopefully it's a matter of weeks, possibly a matter of months. We're going to see a lot of people who start to reconsider the way that they approach their uh, careers as artists and as creators. And it's vital that we have information and resources that can help that be, uh, you know, really strong and high production content and not just, 
you know, um, sort of a free for all of low grade entertainment. Um, I, invariably people are going to end up ditching that at some point and, and hopefully that doesn't, you know, we don't have really creative and really talented, uh, people, uh, victim to people, you know, dropping off because it's a fad. I hope it's not a fad and I hope that people do take producing for this format seriously. Well, I hope the fans stay. I hope the fans um, show up for their artist and then find others on there and decide they like live streaming as a thing to do and, and a way to discover artists and a way to interact with artists and, and stay. I mean, I think that's the ultimate, that would be the ultimate win, at least on the Twitch platform is to get, mm-hmm. you know, a bunch more fans on there um, participating in, in the community. And the more people that, the more, because Twitch has, was gamers, and it's now been slowly moving over to music. So it's kind of like those first movers at Twitch already built their audience, but it's good for the more artists and musicians that go over to Twitch, more of the music fan base is going to go over to Twitch and that whole rising yeah. tide. So, you know, you want to go where the people are. But then there's that battle of saturation. And I think this is an issue that we're going to have for a little while is that battle, the saturation battle and what, it, what type of content is going to stand out. And mm-hmm. you're, we're now going up against Chris Martin can just pull out his guitar and go live and somebody <laughs> can do it from their bathroom. And, you know, you're dealing with these people, these, you know, the, the 1% of the artists that can do anything they want and a million people will show up wherever they go. Um, right. So, uh, you know, I just want to, Karen, I, I want to get over to some of the Q&A here, but uh, sure. I mean, you, you, there's so much fantastic information that you're telling. Do you want to give like a little wrap up, like just kind of like that forward thinking, close like, you know, what do you see is going to happen in this next month? What do you think the type, the best type of content might be? And, and um, you know, you know, like Lock the book. migration tools, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, yeah. you know, it's like who is following where and going back to that audience. It's like, if, if you have like that demographic breakdown, that would be great. Cause I know you mentioned like 17 to 35, but like, you know, Chris Martin's fan didn't follow him on Twitch. It was on Instagram. So like, yeah, look, Chris Martin's not going to have time for this once right. everything's back, gets back to normal. He's not, but independent artists will, and they will, they will, they will fold this into everything else they do online and they will see that it's either going to be a really nice side hustle for them that funds their record or pays for their video or pays for their next photo session. Or for some who really take it seriously and and dedicate themselves, it can even be a full-time income. So that's, that's what's going to happen. I was bullish on this being the next big growth area for the music industry a year ago, I was bullish on this, which is why I wrote the book and, uh, and, and made the online course teaching people how to use it. Because you don't go live from Twitch. You have to use this software. And then if you want to have alerts pop up when someone follows or subscribes, that's a whole different service. And if you want to take song requests, that's a whole different service. And if you want to do a chat bot to automate your chat message, that's a whole different service. And no one tells you this. Like when I built a channel for Marina V, who I, I produced her channel, it was like constantly falling backwards into, wait, what's this? And I got to, how, wait, what, what, how do I do this? And how does it, I literally had to sit and like draw it out how the whole thing fit together um, because it, there, there is no A to Z. You can find 
all kinds of videos on YouTube to teach you how to use OBS, how to use this feature on Streamlabs and that's feature on Stream Elements and, you know, this and that. But the whole thing soup to nuts, forget it. It doesn't exist. Um, which is especially not from an artist standpoint with, so how is this going to fit in with my Facebook and my YouTube and my Instagram? And can I, can I share content in between? And like, what do I do when I go live? And, you know, how do I walk into this community and fit in? Like, what are the unspoken rules? Like certainly nothing like that. And that's just what I learned by doing it and talking to other artists and going to TwitchCon and hanging out and seeing them. Um, but I saw this whole thing growing. Like, like I didn't need to quit all my clients and write a book about a company that wasn't paying me. It's not a thing that I needed to do with my life, but I saw an opportunity for artists who should be on it. It's so good. It's literally the best thing I've ever seen for artists in terms of growing a fan base and making money and having complete creative control ever. And that's a big statement. I've been doing this since the beginning. Like it's a really, really big statement for me to say that. So it was worth it for me to go, okay, they're never going to get past this learning curve. They're just not, they're going to give up because it's hard. I've never mm -hmm. Googled tech support so much in my life when I put this, this channel together. And when I finished it, I was like, oh, that wasn't very hard. Why, how come it wasn't very hard at all? So that's why I ended up writing this. It came out in August. I've, I've, uh, it's been six months. The second edition is already out. That's how fast it moves. I'm already seeing things I need to change for the next edition, which who knows could be in three months. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, my prediction is I saw this blowing up this year anyway. I think that we just accelerated it because everyone's, you know, at home and on their computers and looking for a connection and the artists can't tour and they sold all these tickets that had to be refunded. So people are willing to spend money on a show. Let's just transfer that to a stage. It. Let's transfer that to a Twitch stream. Um, so it's kind of opportunity, you know, meets, um, meets potential. That was Karen Allen, author, Twitch for Musicians. Thank you again, Karen and Sam Tall as always. And thank you to everyone who participated in the online talk series. If you want to join in one of the video chats, look in the show notes for all the links you need to know or go to musicindustrycity.com. Until next time, please stay healthy and safe.